0: So let's talk about what defendant-slash-insurrectionist Dawn Bancroft did and what she said about Speaker Pelosi. Let's talk about what Federal District Court Judge Emmett Sullivan said about all of that. And then let's talk about where criminal responsibility for the insurrection needs to land. Because justice matters. Hey all, Glenn Kirshner here. So I wanna talk about a story that has gotten a good bit of attention over the past 24 hours. Rachel Maddow did a great piece about it on MSNBC last night, and it has to do with a defendant slash insurrectionist by the name of Dawn Bancroft. Now Dawn Bancroft breached the Capitol, unlawfully entered the Capitol on January 6th, and she was allowed to plead guilty to just one misdemeanor count of unlawful picketing or parading, basically like a glorified federal trespass count. And that's bad enough, but it's what she said after she left the Capitol that has drawn so much attention. And here is what defendant Bancroft said after she left the Capitol on January 6th. She said, quote, we were there looking for Nancy to shoot her in the friggin' brain but we didn't find her, close quote. Now, this outrageous, despicable, hateful statement prompted the presiding judge at defendant Bancroft's guilty plea hearing, Judge Emmett Sullivan, familiar name, um, it prompted Judge Sullivan to ask two questions. The first question he asked of the prosecutors, why no threats charge? And then here is the second question Judge Sullivan posed, this as reported by Huffington Post. Judge Sullivan reflected on one of the large questions of January 6th, how so many law-abiding citizens like Bancroft had turned against their government. Quote, so many people up until January 6, were outstanding members of the community never been in trouble, but on January 6, they morphed into terrorists, close quote, Sullivan said. Now, I want to take the second question first: How so many people turned against their government? And then I want to finish up by answering the question: As a former career prosecutor, why no threats charge? But let's tackle the first question. How is it that people turned against their government? What I'm about to say, I hope nobody takes as minimizing what the citizens who attacked the Capitol on January 6th did, what the insurrectionists did. But I wanna talk about an alternate way of looking at it and thinking about it. Let's think for a minute about cult members. Cult members who are lied to, are inflamed, and are influenced by a corrupt, a nefarious, a criminal cult leader. Those cult members will often do horrible things after they're lied to, inflamed, and influenced by their criminal leader. And when cult members act and do these horrible things, we are sometimes understanding, if not exactly forgiving, of what they did and why they did it, because they fell under the spell of a corrupt cult leader. They were influenced. They were lied to. They were inflamed. Now, let's turn to the insurrection on January 6th. The attack on the Capitol, the insurrection, was a Donald Trump production. Donald Trump set the date January 6th, come to D.C., we'll be wild. Donald Trump had already groomed the cult members with the big lie. And then on January 6th, Donald Trump lied to them. He inflamed them. He incited them. He told them that their vote had been stolen, that their election had been stolen, that their president had been stolen. And if you don't fight like hell, you won't have a country anymore. And then he told his cult members, now go stop what's going on at the U.S. Capitol. Yes, he organized the angry mob. He incited the angry mob with his lies. And then he pointed the angry mob at the U.S. Capitol and he pulled the trigger. That angry mob, those cult members, were but a weapon in Donald Trump's hand. And so when Judge Sullivan asks the question, how can so many otherwise law abiding citizens turn against their government? I, I want to reframe that question. Because the cult members, you know, the, the MAGA crowd, the red hat wearing cult members, thought they were following the instructions of their government. Because their president, Their dear leader, their cult leader, told them, lied to them, but told them, no, 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 your vote was stolen from you. Your election was stolen from you. Get up the street and stop it. Fight like hell. So these cult members actually fell for it, and they believed they were doing what their government, what their president, what their cult leader was telling them to do. Now, don't get me wrong. Everybody who attacked the Capitol that day is criminally responsible for their conduct, but the cult members are less responsible, less culpable in the end than the cult leader, than the criminal president. And that is where criminal responsibility for the insurrection needs to land, on the cult leader, on Donald Trump, who used the crowd as but a weapon in his hand to try to unconstitutionally retain power. So friends, let's finish up by turning to the crime of communicating a threat. Let's go to law school for just a minute. Um, Proving a threat's charge is not always as easy as you might think. Uh, I'm gonna use the sort of generic threats law under the local District of Columbia statutes to sort of illustrate the point. So under the DC threats law, there are three elements, three things that the government, the prosecutor has to prove. Each element has to be proved beyond a reasonable doubt for a threats charge to be uh, successful. The first element is that the defendant uttered words to another person, The second element is that the words were of such a nature to cause the ordinary hearer reasonably to believe that the threatened harm would take place. And the third element is that the defendant intended to utter the words as a threat. And to further complicate matters, the appellate courts have put a number of qualifiers on a threats charge, sort of cutting back the prosecutor's ability to bring threats cases. Here are just some of the appellate court qualifiers. Appellate courts have said it's not enough for prosecutors to prove that the defendant uttered the words, but must also establish that the defendant acted with the purpose to threaten or with knowledge that his or her words would be perceived as a threat. Another qualifier from another appellate court opinion, it's not always reasonable And sometimes it is patently irrational to take every pronouncement at face value. And then one more appellate court opinion. In a recent District of Columbia Court of Appeals case, the DCCA, the court said or really intimated that a defendant must have the ability to follow through on a threat in order for the threat to be considered criminal. Now, as a career prosecutor, I brought plenty of threats cases when I thought I could prove them beyond a reasonable doubt, but they're not always as easy to prove as you might think. Now, folks, none of this is to excuse or condone what defendant Don Bancroft said or did. It was despicable. But I'm hoping that the main takeaway from our discussion today is that Donald Trump is the one who orchestrated, instigated, incited the attack on the Capitol on January 6th. He used his cult members to accomplish that attack. But Donald Trump is the one who must be charged because justice matters. And as always, friends, please stay safe. Please stay tuned. And I look forward to talking with you all again tomorrow.